0: We intend to hold those responsible for the root of the hate, the people who curate the hate, the people who inspire the hate on websites and Internet services and cable news stations, those people who radicalize these young people to go out and orchestrate heinous acts of violence Hey, let's
1: ask Yep. Let's hold them all accountable, shall we? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Working on it. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm too scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns they're letting me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you i am from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la 98.7 in santa barbara 93.7 in san diego 99.5 fm in ridgecrest and china lake also in california on kfoi in red bluff and redding round mountains kkrn and eureka's kgoe Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADRN, Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites. Please support them all. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We got a big show, though I don't know which direction it's going to go. We're going to find out momentarily uh, or at least across the next hour. We've got a... a, Oh, I'm very excited about my guest joining us momentarily. I've uh, wanted to speak with him for quite some time. Uh, In any event, before we get there, voters are heading for critical midterm primary elections in Kentucky, Oregon, Pennsylvania... And Idaho on Tuesday, the nation is still reeling from not one but two at least mass shootings over the weekend, Uh, one by a white nationalist in upstate New York and one that appears to be by a Chinese nationalist here in Southern California. That, as hundreds of thousands took to the streets on Saturday in nearly 400 cities to rally for reproductive rights, bodily autonomy, and specifically to prevent big government from coming between a woman and her doctor in light of the GOP's stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court, still apparent plan to overturn decades of constitutionally established reproductive and privacy rights within the next few weeks by overturning 1973's landmark Roe v. Wade and the freedom to have an abortion in the U.S., all of which I hope to get into uh, in more detail shortly, along with your calls, if you like, at 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735, if you want to write it down, but all of which also serves to underscore Yet another peaceful protest action planned for tonight here in Los Angeles at City Hall, which I want to talk about with my very esteemed guests today. We talk a lot on this program about the influence of wealthy people on our elections, as well as the outrage of, for example... As we discussed last week on this show with Oscar Acampo of inequality.org about the fact that over the two plus years of the coronavirus pandemic with now more than one million Americans killed, as most of us were struggling to stay healthy, stay employed, keep our families fed and a roof over our head. During all of that, 727 American billionaires increased their personal, collective wealth, by more than $1.7 trillion, just for those 727 billionaires. And by the way, $1.7 trillion, that's more than the entire GDP of Canada. That, even as homelessness and poverty, has exploded. And while we spend a lot of time discussing the impact of the wealthy on our elections, the collective power at the ballot box of poor and low-income voters is actually, sadly, very rarely discussed, as many of those same billionaires spend, well, billions to support politicians who work night and day to prevent Poor and low-income voters from even casting their ballots. Nonetheless, a study by PoorPeople'sCampaign.org finds that poor and low-income people hold power at the ballot box when they vote. Big power, actually, which is probably why so many are working so hard to prevent them from voting. In the 2020 presidential election, poor and low-income people made up 27 percent Of voters in California. In Arizona, it was about 39%. Oregon, 38%. Washington, 26%. Just to cite uh, voters in a few of the states, uh, which are taking part in a march and rally this evening here in Los Angeles, beginning at 5 p.m. at LA City Hall. If you're in uh, LA and you want to go, it's at 200 North Spring Street if you'd like to support. So this march is meant to call attention to the needs of the 20 million poor and low-income people in this state and the 140 million people nationally who were poor and low-income before the COVID crisis struck. The march at City Hall is part of the Poor People's Campaign's Campaign's National Call for Moral Revival, led this evening by the California California Poor People's Campaign, along with representatives from the campaigns in Oregon, Arizona, and Washington State. As part of the largest mobilization tour, uh, the stop on that tour to date, on the way to June 18th's Mass Poor People's and Low-Wage Workers Assembly and Moral March on Washington and to the polls. Again, that's June 18 in D- Washington, D.C. The national co-chairs of the project are Bishop William Barber II and Reverend Dr. Liz Harris. Now, many of our listeners will recognize Reverend Barber as having led years of Moral Monday protests back in 2013 in North Carolina. Those popular protests against unfair treatment of workers and the poor, racial and gender discrimination and other adverse effects of government legislation across North Carolina and, yes, across the nation, ultimately spread to other states and the nation's capital as a broad grassroots social justice movement. Joining us now to discuss tonight's rally here in LA and the group's hopes for the Mass Moral March on Washington and to the polls on June, 9, on June 18 is Reverend Dr. William Barber and Kenya Al-Alcose, uh, hope I have hope I'm saying that right. She is the co-chair of California's Poor People Campaign. Welcome both of you to the broadcast.
2: Hello. I'm glad Thank to you so be much here. for
1: having us. Delighted to have you both here. And uh, Kenya, did I get that right? It's Alcose? Alcose, yes. Alcose. I'm sure. Sh- Uh, Close. uh, Good. I'm sure I'll screw it up between here and there. But thank you for letting me know how it's supposed to be said. Uh, Reverend Barber, let me let me start with you here, as we've uh, long been fans of the critical Moral Mondays march uh, marches and uh, and the movement coming out of North Carolina and and have hoped to see it spread across the nation. So we're very honored to have you here in L.A. tonight. Uh, I want to discuss the march tonight and your hopes for the uh, rally in D.C. in June. But I need to get your response. Unfortunately, to the uh, horrific shooting in a black community in Buffalo, New York, over the weekend, uh, and also now at a Taiwanese church here in Southern California on Sunday, and how the plight, frankly, of poor people of all colors seems to help incite and fuel violence against people of color.
0: Well, first of all, let me thank you for having us on, and Kenya especially, because uh, one of the greatest mall bosses in this country. You know, it's just too much death and too much hate. And what we see in Buffalo, now, these families are grieving, but this is an attack on us all. And it's an attack on us all from those who are spewing the rhetoric of the replacement theories. We heard it uh, in, in the University of Virginia when they were carrying torches and saying, you will not replace us, you mm-hmm. will not replace us. Mm-hmm. We hear it in the rhetoric of Fox News uh, uh, commentators. We hear it and the rhetoric of people like Donald Trump when he calls uh, uh, even the willingness to to look honestly at history and face of dangerous propaganda, you know, over and over again, have all of this incendiary rhetoric. And I was born in 2003 when George Wallace started here with the incendiary rhetoric, mm-hmm. pushed it into the where, and by, by end of the year, you had students dead at South Carolina. I think killed. You had four girls in a, Birmingham church killed and you had a president killed and then it continued on through 64 and 65. We have got to challenge with, certainly with love and justice and violence, but all of this hate policies uh, that are going on, uh, because as we see, it will destroy us all, hmm. whether it's killer killing black people in Buffalo or this other killer we see today, killing people right here in Los Angeles. Um, and so this is a, we're in a crisis of civilization uh, and and we also must not make this an anomaly. We' must not just say whether people are crazy. The question is not just who does who did the shootings, but who radicalized them? Where do they get radicalized from mm-hmm. and, and people can't get off the hook if they just say, Well, I never said this, but if you look at the way even many pieces of public policy is framed, people are saying, you give people health care going to destroy the country, if you give people living wages, it's just going to undermine and take things from you. That language mm-hmm. for taking things and destroying people's lives gives people too often the license to do harmful, hideous, and evil, and, and deadly things, and we must challenge it, which is one of the reasons why we're calling for June 18th, the coming together of all of us, in uh, for love, for justice, for truth. For forward progress in this country to address five interlocking injustices, systemic racism, systemic poverty, ecological devastation, denial of health care, the war economy, and to challenge the false moral narrative of religious nationalism and white supremacy. We must do these things united together and no longer separately in individual silos.
1: Love, justice, truth and progress. There's an idea. Uh, Kenya Alcose, what do you hope to highlight at tonight's march and rally here in L.A.? And, and why, in your opinion, uh, does it seem that poor people of color do not receive the kind of attention that, say, you know, Trump supporters in diners in Nebraska claiming to be victims of so-called economic anxiety uh, that they seem to receive so regularly from our corporate media?
2: Well, I mean, one of the things that we're hoping is for us to really bring a lot of people together and motivate them and really show them that June 18th is a way of mobilizing and organizing and pushing for something different. Um, we're going to have community members from here, from my community here in East LA, speaking about how how COVID has really impacted us Mm. and how healthcare issues, our immigrant issues, our housing issues, how all of these issues are so intertwined that you can't just be a tenant one day and a worker the next. And a person of color the next, like everything's so interconnected that we need to fight for everything today and now. Um, Today, it's very important for us to really uplift the voices of those who are directly impacted and talk about the vote in a way that it's inspiring and not um, where people turn back and say, well, I vote and nothing happens. We're voting, but we're also making the work on the ground to ensure that those votes are not the only things that we're doing. We're also organizing on the ground. We're creating our own survival projects. We're organizing. We're coming together and fighting back for our rights. As an undocumented immigrant, I can't vote myself, but I know that I can mobilize the vote in my community, and so do a lot of other undocumented folks across the country who have been doing the door to door, getting out the vote and making sure that people are out there voting for what it's right. We cannot have a country where one person can kill an entire bill that is going to support poor and low income people. We need a better country and representatives that are really going to represent the need of the poor and dispossessed.
1: And and Kenya, what do you say when when someone says to you, well, I vote and nothing happens? What's the response to that?
2: Well, it's not enough just to vote. I mean, your civil duty is not just to cast a ballot. It's to organize in your neighborhood, to organize your neighbors and your community, to really push for a difference. We also do the work on the ground to change the type of communities we want to see. Um, Vote is just one aspect of it, a very important aspect of it. But organizing in your community and Mm -hmm. coming together with the Poor People's Campaign, it's a huge um difference that you're going to be making in your community and in this country now that we're 40 states in the campaign. Uh,
1: Reverend Barber, you have been a a great moral crusader now for many years, helping really to revive the important tradition, I think, of moral protest in this country uh, over the past decade or so. But what I wonder is, do marches and nonviolent public protests still work they are often now so walled off it seems by you know police etc from the people in power it's so easily ignored by the media at least unless they turn violent uh, you know it feels like we had huge marches more almost 400 uh, countries across uh, 400 cities across the country against this uh, coming Roe v Wade decision but it feels like they are so easily ignored um, and and that the people in power who should be concerned about these mass movements, they're entirely sheltered and, and shielded from them. Do these mass movements and marches still move the political needle needle as they once did? And if if not, why not?
0: Well yes, they do. But it's not just the march in itself. It's said in tomorrow Monday. It wasn't just a day, a march. It's like June eighteenth is not a day, it's a declaration. Mm-hmm. You're not going to just do one march. You have to be consistent. We did it for four years in, 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 on Monday in North Carolina, and we won. There are a lot of things that we won, actually, in that process and turn back extremism, even in a southern state. What well, we're saying is there must be a moral reset, there must be consistency, there must be a willing to engage in not only nonviolent marches, but nonviolent actions and even maybe necessary civil disobedience when that time comes. And there also has to be a presentation of a third Reconstruction agenda uh, and a massive push to the polls. You know, we say people have voted, but the reality is. What we've looked at is is the greatest sleeping giant in this country are poor low-wealth people who now make up 32% of the electorate. Mm -hmm. In some states, 45% of the Many of those states, poor low-wealth people have not voted. Why? Because nobody talks to them. Neither party goes and talks to them. So what we're saying is let's make them have to talk to you, but also let's use your power. We've never seen the fullness of that power, Dr. King said, that if poor and low poor and low wealth of black people and white people would come together in a political block, they could fundamentally shape, reshape the moral of the economic architecture of the nation. So it's not about doing one thing. It's about consistency. And that's why June 18th is a declaration, not a day. It is a movement and not a moment. We've been mobilizing for three years. Last year, people don't realize this, we mobilized, we reached we, 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 2 million voters in three mm. states. Do you know that Biden, as i talked about, they got 65 percent of the vote under $50,000 a year. Why? Because we pushed and others pushed that they run on living wages and run on dealing with racism and dealing mm-hmm. with voting rights. But we also, lastly, need politicians to stop ignoring the poor. For the last 40 years, neither party has actually said, think about when we've had one debate at the presidential level, on poverty, mm-hmm. 140 million people living in poverty, and you can run for president and not even have to deal with that question. 87 million people without health care or insurance. We have to change that moral narrative, put a face on these issues, and stay at it over the long haul. Nothing we have ever won in this country from a progressive standpoint ever happened just because of one march or one incident. You have to stay there and stay there and stay there and keep on and keep on and break through that way. It cannot be a sprint. It has to be a marathon.
1: And I, uh, 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 Reverend Dr. William Barber, I believe I asked this uh, of Kenya, and we, we sort of got sidetracked. Let me ask you, why do you think it is that when it comes to the corporate media, and I think so much of the problems that we have today, uh... It is because of the framing or often lack thereof in our corporate media and yet after you know for the past four or five years following the twenty sixteen election we had so many of these uh... corporate media outlets talking about economic anxiety and going to diners in nebraska and kansas to find out you know what these what these poor white people uh... were, were missing there what they were concerned about there but when it comes to the plight of poor people year-round of all colors it seems there's a, a, a great disconnect in the corporate media. What, what, what do you attribute that to? Well, you just said it, corporate.
0: Okay. <laughs> so the corporate line, and, and you just said early on, you know, we had, before COVID, 700 people dying a day from poverty, 250,000 people a year, that's a quarter million people. Think about even in the media when we've had a focus on that, on death. We had poor people die at a rate of three to five times higher during COVID. Mm -hmm. And yet you haven't heard about the COVID impact on the poor. Mm -hmm. So what we're saying across the country, see we're in Alabama and Appalachia. We're in California and the Carolinas. We're saying it's time for the 140 million who represent 43% of this nation, 52% of the children, 66 million white people, 73 million women, 38% of Latinos, 60.9% of black people All of us have to come together, and then we have to come together and recognize these five interlocking injustices systemic racism, systemic poverty, ecological devastation, denial of health care, the war economy, and the false narrative of religious nationalism and how they are interlocking injustices that hurt us all. And we must make it a societal issue, an issue about the soul of the democracy and not just individual communities. One of the mm-hmm. things that corporate and politicians and others have done a good job is is, is us fighting inside. To give you an example, right now, there's a great outcry against the attack on Roe, which there should be. Mm-hmm. And, and But go deeper. The attack on Roe is an attack on poor women, too, regardless of what color they are. Mm-hmm. But even further than that, how did the judges get convention, and how did the politicians get the power? They got the power through voter suppression and through suppressing the vote. Mm-hmm. So, if we're going to be industry on row, which we ought to, we have to have the same tenacity and the same diversity in industry and fighting for uh, restoration of voting rights and expanding voting rights. We have to connect the dots. We have to connect that. And too often, what corporate media does is just what you said they will, uh, they will focus on a community and they don't focus on anything at all. Let me just say, they don't even, that poor people, period. Mm. Most of them talk about the working class. They don't talk about poor people mm. and, and poor wealth working people. And Republicans say that if you're in poverty, it's basically your own fault. Democrats do often talk about those trying to the middle class. The consultants tell most of the politicians don't even address poverty. And some in corporate media, they don't see the issue of poverty as a big issue. I can remember lastly, when we talked to some folk in corporate media and we said, did you realize there are 140 million poor and low wealth people in this country? They said, no, it's not. It's 39 million. We said, no, it's not. It's the 140. They said, no, it's not. We said, let's look at the data. Because the truth of the matter, the truth about poverty and how how big it is and how how the extreme of it is not told, is not talked about. Mm-hmm. That's why in this mass." Poor People's Assembly and Low Wage Workers' Assembly, we are putting a face on the numbers. We're going to dramatize the numbers and what really is the extent and say to America, you cannot continue to have a healthy democracy or even the hope of a healthy democracy when almost 50 percent of your people are living in poverty. 400 families make more than $95,000 an hour Billionaires made nearly $2 trillion during COVID while 8 million more people fell into poverty. That is a recipe for economic disaster and social disaster, and we must change it.
1: Indeed, we must. We are on our way to that, uh, frankly, I want to say obscene and grotesque future. But I think that uh, obscene and grotesque future is right now. Uh, The California Poor People's Campaign's rally and march is this evening outside Los Angeles, uh, L.A. City Hall at 200 North Spring. It begins at 5 p.m. if you happen to be hearing this before then. I'm sure they would love to see you there. Uh, That's Monday, uh, May 16. That's part of the National Call for Moral Revival. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, being led in no small part by Reverend Dr. William Barber of BreachRepairers.org as they are on their way to the Mass Poor People's and Low-Wage Workers' Assembly and Moral March on Washington and to the polls set for June 18. Dr. William Barber and Kenya Alkose, the co-chair of the California Poor People's Campaign, greatly appreciate all the work that you're doing and uh, appreciate you took some time out uh, for us today before uh, tonight's rally. Good luck tonight. Thanks again. I hope to have you both back on the show in the future.
0: Thank you. And we got one thing for you. It goes like this for your listeners. Yeah. Somebody's been hurt for far too long, and then we won't be silent anymore. This is not a day it's a desperation. It is not a, a commitment, but a commitment. Thing. And we're going to stay at this and push this nation to do the right thing. God bless
1: I know you will, and uh, God bless you, y'all. Have been at it a long time and inspiring a lot of us. Greatly appreciate it, Doctor William, Reverend Doctor William Barber of BreachRepairs.org, Kenya Alcose of PoorPeople'sCampaign.org. Thank you both. Uh, Okay, let's uh, let's take a quick break here. And, uh, you know, and I really would love to hear from callers about this. You know, we have a lot of of marches and rallies here in L.A. It's sort of the fiber of this city. Uh, But, you know, with so many marches there, there comes very little coverage of it. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have uh, uh, Reverend Barber on to talk about this today. Uh, And in truth, I see that around the country, you know, tens if not thousands marched over the weekend in opposition to the GOP's stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court plan to take away 50 years of reproductive freedom established by Roe v. Wade, and it got barely any coverage at all. We had a couple of big shootings over the weekend, of course. That gets uh, a lot of the oxygen in the media. But i got to be frank, even without those shootings... Uh, I'm not so sure, Desi Doyan, and I didn't get to say hi, Des. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm not so sure that those uh, uh, those marches would have gotten attention. Anyway, even without the, the shootings around the country.
3: Uh, well, you know, it, it is hard to say. I know that that one thing that we can be for sure, if those marches do not happen, they will definitely not get any attention. Well, there
1: you go. Uh, and Reverend Barber's point about, uh, you know, this is not it's not one march. It's not one election. It's not one vote that makes the difference. It is staying with it year after year after year, as he has in North Carolina. And as we've watched his movement grow. Uh, across the country. Uh, But, you know, I I am troubled by the fact that these uh, marches and these uh, rallies are so easily ignored unless they turn violent or Unless they're re- uh, led by uh, right wingers, those seem to get boy. with the remember the old Tea Partiers when they came out uh, back in 2010 or whenever that was, boy, they got a lot of attention, didn't they? Not just on uh, right wing Fox News, but everywhere across the media.
3: Well, and you could also make the same argument about, for example, the truckers' protest that was against Correct. you know the COVID yes. vaccination and mask mandates. It's like you know there were only a, maybe a hundred of them, but they got outsized media attention, yep. which it does seem to be that there is this uh, this uh, intentional focus of the corporate media on, oh, look, a right-winger is complaining about something. That's important. <laughs> yes. Ah, the left, you know, they complain all the time. Who cares? Sort of. I don't know if that's really what they think, but it certainly does come across that way.
1: It certainly does. Anyway, as I said, let's take a quick break. Uh, We can come back to some of your calls on this if you have any thoughts. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Otherwise, uh, I want to talk about, well, we've got a lot to talk about. We'll see what we can get to here. But I want to talk about those shootings. Uh, I want to talk about the elections coming up on, uh, well, happening uh, on Tuesday in Kentucky, Oregon, Pennsylvania, and Idaho. Uh, or you can derail everything, and I will go to your phone calls at 818-985-KPFK. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Lord Knows What right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, guess what? What? Bradcast and bradblog.com are really, really old. How old? Well, we have just celebrated our 18th anniversary. That's right. We are now in our 19th year of muckraking, troublemaking, and all of the other stuff we do both at bradblog.com and here on the Bradcast. We haven't survived this eighteen years on our own. We have done it only with the support of folks like you who stop by Bradblog.com slash donate to help us keep going for another, oh, I don't know, decade or two?
3: Thank you so much for all the support over the last
1: 18 years. Help us make
3: it to 18 more, maybe, I think. I hope?
1: I don't think I'm going to make it. Anyway, thanks for helping us get this far, and if you could, help us keep going. Stop by bradblog.com donate, and hey, while you're there, please consider signing up for an automated subscription of any amount you like. That's what helps us keep going. Although we're also very happy to have one-time donations of any amount you like. Celebrate with us our 19th year of bradblog.com and the Bradcast. All thanks to you.
3: Stop by bradblog.com slash donate. Well said. Thanks.
1: Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, I would love to hear from you at 818-985-5735. Hit option number one if you'd like to get on the air. Option number two if you'd like to donate to our ongoing KPFK Fun Drive. And if you're listening on a different station, please consider supporting that station as well. Because uh, it's probably not a corporate supported station uh, that has us on the air. God forbid they should let us. Non-corporatist uh, progressive on their airwaves. So uh, please support whichever station you may happen. Uh, you, you you happen to be listening to right now. Um, if you have any thoughts on uh, my conversation there with the uh, uh, Reverend William Barber, I'd love to hear from you. But there is a lot going on, as I noted, uh, elections on Tuesday in Kentucky, Oregon, Pennsylvania and Ohio. Had a bit of a scare over the weekend, as uh, uh, reported uh, by CNN on Sunday. John Fetterman, the favorite to win the Pennsylvania Democratic U.S. Senate contest, announced Sunday that he's recovering after a stroke. Fetterman was at the Penn Medicine Lancaster General Hospital in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, according to a statement noting uh, that he first went to the hospital on Friday Uh, He has since put out a statement saying, I had a stroke caused by a clot from my heart being in an AFib rhythm for too long. Uh, He added, I'm feeling much better. And the doctors tell me I didn't suffer any cognitive damage. I'm well on my way to recovery. He said, our campaign isn't slowing down one bit. We're still on track to win this primary on Tuesday and flip the Senate seat in November. We shall see Uh, his. his uh, opponents in uh, Tuesday's primary. Uh, John Fetterman is Pennsylvania's uh, colorful lieutenant governor. Uh, he holds a significant lead over U.S. Congressman Connor Lamb and State Rep. Malcolm Cañada. Fetterman, uh, who began canceling events on Friday, said on Sunday that he is continuing the race. Uh, his opponents there, Lamb and Kenyatta, uh, uh, both uh, put out good words uh, for his health on Sunday. Um, so uh, we wish him the best. Incredibly, Fetterman was not the only Democrat who apparently suffered a stroke over this past weekend. Uh, Maryland's Democratic U.S. Senator Chris Van Hollen says he has suffered a minor stroke. He's being treated at George Washington University Hospital. Uh, He he says that he has been told there are no long-term effects or damage, according to AP. The 63-year-old Van Hollen was elected to the Senate in 2016 after serving seven terms in the U.S. House. The senator said he experienced lightheadedness and acute neck pain while delivering a speech in western Maryland. Uh, On the advice of a physician, he sought medical attention. Um, An angiogram indicated a minor stroke in the form of a small venous venous tear at the back of his head. He He said he looks forward to returning to work in the Senate. Uh, later this week, and thanks the medical team for their excellent care, uh, 63-year-old um, Senator Van Holland of Maryland. And uh, Fetterman, you know, is only, uh, where is it here? I think he's 53, if I'm not mistaken, 52 years old. <sighs> kind of scary. Anyway, they're both doing well. Uh, no idea what to make of, uh, of, of both of them uh, getting, having these uh, hopefully minor strokes over the weekend. I suspect many ballots are already cast in the Pennsylvania contest, so it'll be interesting to see what effect, if any, the news about Fetterman has on a race where Democrats believe that they can pick up a much-needed Senate seat this November. Um, it's one of their best pickup opportunities As the uh, race to the uh, far right continues on the GOP side in the GOP primary there, where uh, Donald Trump has endorsed TV's Dr. Mehmet Oz, um, who is uh, seeing a huge challenge from his even Trumpier right wing. And that Trumpier right wing is surging. The far right MAGA QAnon candidate Kathy Barnett, who was apparently at the January 6th. Insurrection in D.C. um, in this ultra competitive Republican primary, Barnett has surged now into a statistical three way tie for the lead. With Trump-endorsed TV doctor Oz and former hedge fund executive David McCormick, according to a recent Fox News poll that found Barnett's support doubling since March. According to new polling out today from the uh, GOP firm Susquehanna Polling and Research, the Republican Senate primary in Pennsylvania is now a dead heat between the uh, Trump-endorsed Oz and Barnett, with um, the late-breaking deciders favoring Barnett, apparently. So uh, she has the momentum against Oz. Oz and McCormick are struggling to convince voters that they are the true, the truest pro-Trump American, America first candidate, the America 1st candidate of them all. Barnett has depicted herself as a grassroots underdog facing two multimillionaires with uh, weaker ties to Pennsylvania. She's benefited from the leaked Supreme Court opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, saying that uh, she has a compelling personal story claiming that her mother was raped at age 11 and gave birth to her at age 12. So the contest is now split on the Republican side between the Republican establishment, now largely represented by whoever Trump supports, uh, and its activist base. Think of them as the Frankenstein's monster, if you will. Oz has the backing of Trump. McCormick has won support from other prominent Republicans like uh, Trump's former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, Senator Ted Cruz. The surging Barnett, meanwhile, is endorsed by, well, the Susan B. Anthony list, an anti-abortion group. And that seems to be enough to be helping her surge, her last minute surge, which could be enough. Right now, there is an open seat uh, or there will be an open seat that Democrats think they could flip. This is a big deal for Democrats. The open seat vacated by Republican Pat Toomey arguably represents one of their best chances to flip a seat in the currently 50 50 Senate. Um, So, uh, you know, you got a lot of Democrats hoping that, oh, maybe Barnett will win. She is the farthest of the far right crazy people. They're sort of rooting for her to win. But Congressman uh, Brendan Boyle said a Democratic victory is far from assured. No matter who wins on Tuesday, even if the GOP candidate is Barnett, citing Trump's victory in the 2016 election as having shaken his confidence about who is electable. He added that the Trump endorsed far-right candidate for governor in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, who is a huge proponent, along with Barnett, of the pretend stolen 2020 election uh, theory, that... um, their uh, candidacies should not be taken lightly, including uh, Mastriano, um, who will be uh, facing the uh, nominee in waiting, as I think NBC calls him, uh, State Attorney General Josh Shapiro. Boyle said on paper, it appears as if the folks on the right are weak candidates, but it would be really, I would be really careful about thinking that way, thinking that they can't win. And I think Congressman Boyle is very correct there, particularly with the way Republicans are preparing to game the electoral system this November in Pennsylvania and everywhere else around the country. Nothing should be taken for granted. Anyone who feels it's not important to vote this year, I don't know what planet they are living on, to be frank and what their news sources are. But it's a planet that is quickly devolving into authoritarianism and environmental crisis. And if they want either of those things to change, uh, right now, as I see it, there is one route, And uh, you know, perhaps unfortunately so, but it's true all the same. That's for uh, folks to head to the ballot box, and yes, that's for Democrats to hold on somehow to their majority in the House and increase their margin in the Senate, so that corrupt Democrats like Senators Manchin and Sinema become irrelevant, Uh, and not a moment too soon, frankly.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard to underscore just how crucial and foundational and fundamental voting is going to be from, you know, here on out. I mean, we always have been saying that, you know, this is the most important election of our lifetimes, but increasingly every single election as we have slid further and further into authoritarianism further and yep. further away from democratic values like free and fair elections yep. with with you know a, a one political party openly plotting to set up ways for it to be able to prevent people from voting yep. at all and then if they do vote and they don't vote in the way that political party wants to be able to subvert those election results and toss them out so yes voting is foundational and fundamental And may be the last stand at this rate that we're facing
1: Democracy itself is on the ballot this year I will say that over and over again And when I face uh, criticism for those who say Oh, well, you're just rooting for Democrats I am not a Democrat But in this case, when you've got two parties One of them, which actually uh, supports democracy Not as well as I wish that they did, not as effectively as I wish that they did. A decidedly imperfect party, but one that actually supports democracy itself. In the Democrats and another party, who is pretending that an election has been stolen from them, who is uh, taking away rights, very the very rights that they pretended to used to care about. Remember when they said, "Oh, we want to keep the government from coming between you and your doctor," and here they are celebrating what is about to happen at the U.S. Supreme Court, when big government is going to come between you and your doctor to take away the freedom of bodily autonomy for millions of women. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let me get one quick call. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back uh, on the other side with uh, some news on the shootings, plural, unfortunately. Our old friend Mo Morris in Long Beach. How are you, brother?
0: Hey, I'm doing real good, Brad, and thank you for asking. Listen, there are a number of unifying forces in this country. Folks are upset about that insurrection, right, the threat to democracy. Folks are upset about inflation. Their income ain't going up going up, but these 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 costs of everything's going up. But I'm gonna tell you what I believe is the number one unifying force in the United States of America today. And it's the abortion issue. That leaked as a matter of fact the Democrats need to send a Republican a a Christmas card. That gave the uh, the Democrats all they needed. Women ain't going for that. I'm gonna tell you right now, I've been married to a couple of them for fifty years. They're not going for that bad. And the Republicans went too far with that. And that was a wonderful thing when that thing got leaked. Let
1: me let you go. Thank you, Brad. Uh, thank you, Mo. I, I, I'm still, I uh, have it in my brain that he's been married to a couple of them for 50 years. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, all right, look, take a quick break. 818 985 KPFK. We'll come back with uh, some thoughts on this weekend's shooting and more of your calls if you want to get in. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by Bradblog.com/slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Sadly, the mass shooting by a white supremacist who killed 10 and shot three others at a grocery store near Buffalo, New York, on Saturday has been, well, that's been receiving much of the attention from media over the past several days, perhaps understandably. But uh, sadly, what a world it is when another mass shooting, this one at a church on Sunday out here in Southern California largely falls off the radar because it wasn't, I guess, as deadly as the first one. Uh, so uh, the, uh, the suspect, uh, before we get to some, some thoughts on uh, the New York shooting, the suspect in the Laguna Woods Church shooting out here that killed one person, wounded five others, uh, was identified on Monday as a 68-year-old Las Vegas man. The uh, gunman was identified as David Chu. He was booked on one count of murder, five counts of attempted murder in connection with the Sunday afternoon shooting at a service of the Irvine Taiwanese Presbyterian Church, which has been holding services at Geneva Presbyterian Church for about 10 years, according to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Before the service started, members had greeted the gunmen. Uh, whom they had never seen before. They welcomed him. He told them he had attended services several times, but the members were doubtful because no one had recognized him, according to one of the members. Laguna Woods is a small, recently incorporated community in Orange County between L.A. and San Diego, where some 90 percent of uh, its residents uh, in the small uh, uh, enclave uh, live in a gated retirement community formerly known as Leisure World. Authorities are still trying to determine the exact motive behind the violence at the church on Sunday. But late this afternoon, according to AP, um, the, uh, they identified the shooter as a Chinese immigrant motivated by hate for Taiwanese people. Many of the victims were, were Taiwanese immigrants. Uh, the sheriff now says the incident will be investigated as a, quote, political, a politically motivated hate incident. That is a lot of hate we have going on in this country right now. Uh, A lot of hate and a lot of easy access to guns to help the haters express their hatred. The attack happened during a lunch banquet after morning service on Sunday where dozens of people were gathered. The gunmen entered the church and just opened fire, striking multiple people. One man was shot and killed. His uh, uh, His identity is being withheld pending... Uh, notification of family, but five other people were wounded, including an 86-year-old woman and four men aged 66, 92, 82, and 75, all Asian, according to officials. The shooting came to an end when, in an act of, quote, extraordinary heroism, according to authorities, the church's congregants overpowered the suspect, hogtied him, with an extension cord and grabbed his two weapons until first responders arrived. A churchgoer told the L.A. Times that the pastor hit the gunman with a chair as he was reloading his gun and other churchgoers had tackled him. Um, The uh, sheriff's office said the churchgoers displayed what we believe is exceptional heroism and bravery, later adding it's safe to say that had they not intervened in this situation, It could have been much worse. There were 30 to 40 people inside. Uh, So uh, uh, just just a horrible weekend in every regard. Democratic Congressman uh, Adam Schiff said in a statement, it's horrifying to be grieving yet another tragic shooting in just 72 hours, another weekend in America defined by senseless violence. Governor Gavin Newsom's office released a statement on Sunday afternoon. Uh, saying no one should have to fear going to their place of worship. Our thoughts are with the victims, community, and all those impacted by this tragic event, he said. Uh, But the body count was much higher in upstate New York, so our uh, regular media triage now when it comes to which mass shooting receives the most coverage, uh, well, we turn to the horrific massacre in, uh, in Buffalo, where I know you heard by now, That a teenage gunman entranced by a white supremacist ideology known as replacement theory opened fire at a supermarket in Buffalo on uh, over the week on Saturday, methodically shooting and killing 10 people, injuring three more, almost all of them black. In one of the deadliest racist massacres in recent American history. The authorities identified the gunman as an 18-year-old from Conklin, a small town in New York's rural southern tier, who drove more than 200 miles to mount this attack, which he also live-streamed on the internet on a popular video site named Twitch, according to police, a chilling video feed that appeared designed to promote his sinister agenda. The uh, attack at Topps Friendly Market in a largely black neighborhood in East Buffalo conjured grim comparisons to a series of other massacres motivated by racism, including the killing of nine black parishioners at a church in Charleston, South Carolina in 2015, an anti-Semitic rampage in a Pittsburgh synagogue in 2018 that left 11 dead, and an attack at a Walmart in El Paso in 2019 where the man charged had expressed hatred of Latinos. More than 20 people died there. So targeted in just that list, uh, black parishioners, uh, Jewish uh, worshipers at a synagogue, uh, Latinos who the shooter targeted as believing uh, they were immigrants. Whether they were or not, who knows? Now, this shooter in Buffalo had written a manifesto, like a 180-page manifesto or something like that. said to have been inspired by earlier massacres motivated by racial hatred, including a mosque shooting in New Zealand and the Walmart shooting I mentioned in Texas, both in 2019. The man made repeated references to the right-wing racist Great Replacement Theory, which many Republicans have embraced, elected Republicans. They've embraced it in their anti-immigrant zealotry in recent years as they lurch to the far right, thanks in no small part to the encouragement from Republican propaganda outlets like Fox News. Yes. Remember that tiki uh, torch march at the neo-Nazi rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017? Reverend Barber uh, also referenced it. It was just after Trump's election when they were chanting, Jews will not replace us. That is part of the great replacement theory, so-called, that Jews and immigrants and black people and uh, generally all people of color who are not white will replace white Americans. Donald Trump at the time lauded uh, those people by saying that, oh, there was fine people on all sides. Well, as I said, it is not just uh, these racist shooters. They are getting these ideas from somewhere. In fact, um, Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney chastised, um, well, I guess her replacement in GOP leadership, uh, Elise Stefanik, who represents upstate New York, who last, uh, I think it was September or October, was putting out campaign ads on Facebook accusing Democrats of plotting permanent election insurrection saying that Democrats would grant amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants who will overthrow our current electorate and create a permanent liberal majority in Washington. This echoes the baseless so-called Great Replacement conspiracy theory. The Times Union of Albany, uh, Stefanik's hometown newspaper at the time, criticized the advertisement in an editorial, calling it despicable. But, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, far-right Republicans who are elected don't just come up with this stuff on their own. They take their cues, their direction from those far-right Republican media outlets like Fox News, in particular Tucker Carlson, Fox News's most popular personality. He has pushed these false views on this great replacement theory that is now being embraced by... Uh, Not just shooters, but elected officials like Stefanik and many others. A study of five years worth of Carlson's show by The New York Times found 400 instances in which Tucker Carlson talked about Democratic politicians and others seeking to force demographic change through immigration. Here's here's just one or two examples. An unrelenting stream of immigration. But why? Well, Joe Biden just said it to change the racial mix of the country. That's the reason, to reduce the political power of people whose ancestors lived here and dramatically increase the proportion of Americans newly arrived from the Third World. In political terms, this policy is called the Great Replacement, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from faraway countries. The left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's Mm. true. Let's just say it. That's what's true. The great replacement theory is actually happening. And apparently uh, you should take matters into your own hand by going and shooting up a church or a grocery store or a Walmart or wherever. That is the message that we are hearing from Fox News.
3: On a nearly daily basis, too. I mean, this is not something that's an isolated incident. This is almost nightly on Tucker Carlson's show
1: alone. So, which is why I'm saying, you know, for all of the attacks that I'm sure to take for explaining that one party is against such things and the other party is actually encouraging such things, these are all just facts right now. So right now, as far as I'm concerned, it it means sending a message to the haters and the racists by, well, replacing them in governments, federal governments, state governments, local, in order to reclaim our democracy as imperfect as it remains. One path is a road, uh, you know— to turn this madness around. The other is a path to even deepening madness. And no, like I said, I'm not a Democrat, but I'm also not an idiot. And I happen to be in touch with reality. And this, whether we like it or not, is our reality right now. And it is going to be up to voters this year, to the best of my knowledge, to help stop and change this dangerous path on which this nation is now heading. Uh, just as Dr. Reverend William Barber said. If you have another idea of how to do that, please feel free to let me know. My uh, email address, you can reach me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I'm always happy to hear from you. I got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Gary Baca, and, of course, to my guest today, Reverend Dr. William Barber of Repairers.org. And Kenya Alcose of the California Poor People's Campaign. You can find them at poorpeoplescampaign.org. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. As I said, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. Uh, I think that's it, as if that's not enough. Uh, You will find me there until you find me here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.